Have you ever stopped to consider all of the things we put our faith in? The money, people, businesses, and products around us? There are promises of fame, education, lifestyle, supposedly all resulting in a big payoff for us. But looking on the other side of the coin, these promises often end in broken relationships, depression, and even debt. Just ask any of the people and businesses that have risen and fallen in this very place. The reality is very little in this life can be trusted, but there is one who is there through thick and thin, through economic rising and downturn. He promises to be there and he keeps his word 100% of the time. With odds like these, don't you think we can trust him? Well, we're uh, honored today to have with us uh, Dr. Phil Fuller. Now, it's not the Dr. Phil that comes on TV, but uh, he's got much better advice for us, not advice, but insight for us today than Dr. Phil will have for us, I believe. And uh, we're privileged to have him here. Dr. Phil is our uh, good friend, mentor, and um, uh, he's just a lot of things to us, but he's our district superintendent, and we're accountable to him. And and we enjoy that, and uh, we have a great relationship with him. He's a good friend, and he's the district superintendent for the Church of the Nazarene, and I'll let him explain to you what that's all about. But what I want you to do is make him feel really welcome here today. Yeah, okay, thank yeah. you. Thanks, buddy. I got to introduce Cheryl. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Cheryl, I'm sorry. Uh, if it wouldn't be for Cheryl, Phil probably wouldn't even be here. Yeah. Uh, his good wife, Cheryl, is with him, and I want you to make her feel welcome. Just wave, Cheryl, and everybody. There you go. Thank you. Yeah, more. Um, by the way, uh, today is the last day of uh, 29 years of marriage for Cheryl and I. That means tomorrow starts 30. Woohoo! Yeah. She, she deserves some kind of distinguished service award. That's all I know. And uh, appreciate you, Cheryl. Thank you so much. Uh, thank you, buddy and Gay, for the invitation to come to Salem Fields. I uh, want you to know that we love you. And we're praying for you as a church family. We believe that God has raised up this great ministry here for a great purpose. And you are making a difference not only right here in Fredericksburg, but throughout the Commonwealth of Virginia and literally around the world. And uh, I'm grateful for the vision that uh, God placed in Buddy and Gay's heart as they made their way to Fredericksburg some years ago now. And uh, so grateful for what God has done through their ministry here. And they are indeed friends of ours, and we count it a great privilege to partner with them in uh, the gospel. But I also want you to know a little something. Um, I'm their number one fan. I am an enthusiastic supporter of Buddy and Gay Marston and the leadership that God is doing through them. And I wonder if you'd just help me give thanks to God for their lives. Thanks, brother. We really do appreciate you. Thank you so much. And... Uh, I, I'm really honored and humbled to be asked to be here and to share with you today a little bit from the Word. And uh, I was asked to do this some months ago, and, and uh, right away, immediately, uh, these two words came to me that were the theme for today, um, and it is along these words, God provides. Matter of fact, I'd just like for you to just say those words with me, God provides. And I think it's kind of a divine appointment kind of a moment, really, 
that somebody has come here today or is watching online that needs to hear this simple truth that God provides in whatever situation there is in your life. And I, I feel really kind of uh, compelled, pushed into just affirming this simple truth. God provides. I mean, it's so simple and so powerful that I almost feel like I should just say that and go sit down. Uh, it's that good. It's that profound. But I do want to share a couple of insights that I have kind of gained over this thing over the last little bit. And uh, interestingly enough for me, uh, a couple of years ago, um, I was trying to decide at the beginning of the year what I would do for my devotional time, uh, how I would spend time learning from the Word of God. And uh, so I felt this impression that what I ought to do is take one of the Gospels, in particular the Gospel of Mark, and that I should start reading with Mark chapter 1, verse 1, and just keep reading and then read, if I read a verse or two that day, that was fine, but maybe the next day I could read more, and then uh, I would just keep reading and pick up where I left off, and then as soon as I got done to the end of chapter 16, I'd just pick right back up and start reading the next day. And so during the three-month period, just doing that a little bit each day, I read through the Gospel of Mark six times in that three-month period, which really isn't all that impressive because it's only 16 chapters. It really didn't take that long to read it all, but there was something powerful that happened to me. Number one, do you realize that when you continually expose yourself to the Word of God, there's new truth that can be revealed into you? And you say, well, I've already read it. Yeah, but when you reread it, there's new stuff that comes out. It's because the Word of God is powerful that way. And then, you know, I've been a student of the Word for a long time. As a matter of fact, my bachelor's degree is in biblical literature. And then I did a seminary degree and a doctoral degree and all these things where the focus was on the study of the Word of God. And I've got to tell you, as I read through Mark's gospel that time, probably like the, the fifth or sixth time I was reading through it that time, this insight came to me that I want to share with you today that I was like, how did I never see that before? But it was so powerful and it's so much living where you and I live, and it underscores this idea that God provides. So, so let me kind of take you back to my journey. So I'm reading through these stories. I'm reading through the Gospel of Mark, and I get to Mark chapter 6, and there's a familiar story to me, maybe even to you. It's a story where Jesus feeds this large crowd of people. And it starts out by saying, Jesus looked at the crowd and he had compassion on them. You know, way to go, Jesus. He's always leading with compassion. That's great. And, uh, and so he, he wants to feed the crowd and he says to his disciples, uh, he says, hey, uh, we've been with these folks for several days. They're hungry. I, I want us to feed them. And the disciples kind of in disbelief say, uh, well, this is a little bit of a paraphrase, but they say, uh, Jesus, there's no Wegmans close by. There's no place to go. There's no 7-Eleven to go get this much food for this many people. Besides, it would cost almost a year's wages to feed this crowd. And Jesus asked this very insightful question. He says, well, what do you have? And one of the other gospels tells a story slightly differently that says the disciples went and found a little boy who had basically a sack lunch, like a value meal. He had five loaves of bread and two small fish. 
And they brought it to Jesus, and the scripture says that Jesus took it, he looked up to heaven and gave thanks for it, had the people all sit down in groups of 50 and 100, and he had the disciples go out and distribute the food to them, and it says that 5,000 people ate from that broken five loaves of bread and those two fish, and it not only says they ate, it says that they ate and they were satisfied. In other words, this was not just one Ritz cracker and a little bit of cheese. This was a real meal. They were satisfied from this meal. And it says not only that, but they went around and picked up the extra pieces that were there, and they picked up 12 baskets full of stuff. God provides. Sermon over, let's go home. Wait, 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 not quite there yet. Okay, so that story is pretty powerful. And i got to tell you that whenever... Whenever you're with Jesus, and Jesus is the one doing the preaching, and then Jesus provides a meal, that's a pretty good day. Wouldn't you say? That's a pretty awesome day. Now, the Bible doesn't say this specifically, but I'm suggesting to you that when you go to the church when Jesus preaches, that's a Sunday, all right? Can we just agree? That's Sunday. That's when Jesus is showing up. And there he is on this Sunday feeding these 5,000 people, and there's all this leftover food. That's a miracle. I didn't have any math classes in the seminary, but I can tell you that is a miracle right there, all right? So I'm reading, remember, going back to that thing where I'm reading, and I'm reading through the rest of chapter 6, and there's some good stuff in there, and then I read chapter 7, there's some good stuff in there, and then I get into chapter 8. In the first part of chapter 8, there's this story, and it goes something like this. It says, Jesus looked at the crowd, and he had compassion on them. I'm waiting, wait, wait, that sounds familiar. Did I just, am I, did I like pick up at the wrong spot in my reading? And I went back and looked in chapter six and sure enough, that's how chapter six had started. That story had started. And then, you know, right there in Mark's gospel, there's another feeding of another large crowd right there in chapter eight. And I'm thinking, how did I never see this? How come this has never really been that obvious to me? And Jesus says to the disciples, hey guys, I think I wanna feed all these people. And guess what the disciples say? Uh, Jesus, there's no Wegmans close by. It's kind of like repeat of the whole story all over again. And he says, how are we going to feed all these people? It'd take a, like a, most of a year's wages to feed this crowd. And Jesus asked this very insightful question. He says, well, what do you have? And the scripture says that they go and take a look and, and, and they bring to Jesus this time seven loaves of bread. Now, this time, the story is that there were 4,000 people and seven loaves of bread. Jesus gave thanks for it, and he fed the crowd. And it's this amazing thing that happens because it says again, they ate until they were satisfied, and then they picked up seven baskets full of pieces left over. God provides. Are you all out there? Hello? I mean, God provides. It's a miracle. Another miracle. Okay, sermon's over, let's go home. No, wait a minute, I got some more I want to tell you. I mean, the, the interesting thing is that on this, let's call it a Sunday, when Jesus shows up and does the preaching and does the feeding, God does this miracle. Five loaves of bread, feeds the whole crowd, they're satisfied, 12 baskets full left over. Yay, God, he provides. We've been there. We know those kind of mountaintop experiences. And the disciples were there. They saw it, they witnessed it. And then it doesn't tell us how much time, but I'm suggesting to you, 
It was like a week or two later, here's Jesus preaching again. It was another Sunday. Jesus was the preacher. And guess what? The people are hungry. Jesus feeds the whole crowd. The same disciples that were there are the same disciples that are here. They kind of have this thing where they don't understand that Jesus is going to provide again. But it's Sunday and Jesus does it. Yay, God. God provides. It's awesome. It's powerful. Now, Remember, I was doing this reading thing where I'm reading through the scripture and I'm getting some insight and it's the next verse that gets me, all right? Now, we don't know exactly the time frame because, um, you know, the scripture doesn't say like and on this date and give a date and time, but it just kind of says and, and later. And so I'm suggesting to you that that one story happened on a Sunday where he feeds the 5,000 and this other story happens on a Sunday where he feeds the 5,000, he feeds the 4,000. And then this story that picks up with verse 14 of chapter 8 is on a Tuesday. And it'll make more sense here in just a moment that Jesus, Jesus has this conversation. He left the crowd, it says, and he got back in the boat and headed for the other side of the lake. Now watch this. Watch, this is the, this is the amazing part. But the disciples forgot to pack a lunch. Now, wait a minute. Stop a minute. They were here. They saw what Jesus did for lunch right here. The disciples were here. They saw what Jesus did for lunch here. And now they leave all that and it's on a Tuesday and they're getting in a boat and they're going with Jesus somewhere. And the first argument they have with one another is that they forgot to pack lunch. Is this a problem, I ask you? But it was for them. But wait, wait. But the disciples forgot to pack a lunch, except for a single loaf of bread. Now, now I'm not real, real good at math, but if five loaves can feed 5,000, are you guys with me, huh? If five loaves can feed 5,000, and if seven loaves can feed 7,000, do you think, what, I, got the, I got the number wrong, didn't I? You guys are with me though, don't you? Seven will feed four, right? And, and five will feed five then do you think one loaf can feed 13? Because that was Jesus and his disciples. Do you think, that will, you think that'll work? That'll work. But the disciples couldn't see it. And I'm suggesting to you because it was a Tuesday, they were kind of mixed up. But let's read on. Jesus warned them, be very careful. Keep a sharp eye out for the contaminating yeast of Pharisees and the followers of Herod. Meanwhile, the disciples were finding fault with each other because they had forgotten to bring bread. And Jesus overheard and said, why are you fussing because you forgot bread? Don't you see the point of all this? Don't you get it at all? Remember the five loaves I broke for the 5,000? How many baskets of leftovers did you pick up? And the disciples said, 12, because they were there. They remembered. And then it says, and... The seven loaves for the 4,000. How many bags of leftovers did you get? Seven. They remembered. They were there. They remembered. And then Jesus says this. Some of the hardest, harshest words of Jesus ever found are right here. And he looks at the disciples and he says, Do you still not get it? God provides. It's what he does. Even on Tuesdays, God provides. You know, uh, I, uh, I get to be this uh, district superintendent thing. And uh, a couple of years ago, 
uh, one, of the, one of the jobs that's mine is to help churches when they go through pastoral transitions. When the pastor is retired or has moved to another area, then I get to come along and work with the key leaders and help them select the next pastor. And uh, I'd gotten another phone call, and at this particular moment in time, this meant that there were six churches that I'm responsible for that needed help selecting a new pastor. And I was feeling just a little bit overwhelmed. And I remember, I think it was a Tuesday. I think it was. I think I was in the car with Cheryl on a Tuesday, and I was driving along, and this came out of my mouth. I said, where in the world am I going to get pastors for all those churches? That's what I said. And Cheryl didn't say anything because she's kind of quiet that way. And we got home, we got inside the house and, and closed the door of the garage. And Cheryl, in a kind of an uncharacteristic manner, she kind of puts her finger up in my face and says, uh, I want to talk to you about your faith. And I was like, what possessed you? You know, what's going on here? And uh, so I want to talk to you about your faith. I said, well, what, where's this going? She says, you remember when you just said in the car a little bit ago that where am I going to get pastors for all these churches? And then she pulled a Jesus on me, you know. She goes, don't you remember over there in Roanoke how God helped you get a pastor for that church in Roanoke? And I said, yeah, yeah, I remember. And then she said, don't you remember how God helped you up there in Loudoun Valley to get a pastor? And I said, yeah, I remember. And then she started, don't you remember? And I said, enough, I get it, I get it, I get it. God provides, he provides. God's good, he's faithful, he will do it. Let me tell you, there are thousands of promises from God. His promises are true and he is a provider God. God provides and he wants to provide for you. Listen to what Luke 12, 24 says. Consider the ravens, a bird. They neither sow nor reap. They have neither storehouse nor barn. And yet God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than birds? Oh, man. Or how about this? Paul wrote to the Christians in Philippi. In chapter 4, verse 19, it says, You can be sure that God will take care of everything you need. Now, some people get wants and needs a little mixed up, but I, I'm here to tell you, God will provide your need. And his generosity exceeding even yours in the glory that pours from Jesus, our God and Father abounds in glory that just pours out into eternity. Yes. You know, if you'll trust God with your finances, God will bless you and provide for you in ways that you can't work out on an Excel spreadsheet. In Malachi 3, 10 through 11 says this, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that is the church, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops and the vines in your fields will not drop their fruit before it's ripe, says the Lord Almighty. And I've learned this truth that I can trust God to do more with what he lets me keep than what I used to be able to do with what I kept for myself. The truth is I've learned that in giving and in giving God back the tithe, I can trust him to provide. He's faithful. He's good that way. John 10.10 says it this way. Jesus said, The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy, and I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. 
You see, because God's interested in you having an abundant kind of life. Now, if you think of abundant in terms of kind of financial success, you're limiting God big time because his blessings go way beyond anything that money can ever buy you. And some of the happiest people that I've ever met don't necessarily have all the things in the world, but they have a presence of God about them that transforms their lives and the lives of people around them. You see, Jesus is in the business of providing. God provides. And I gotta tell you, I love being around God's people. I love being around the church. I love being around worship services like this where the music's so awesome and, and uh, there's prayer and there's fellowship and the singing and, and there's encouragement and, and friendships and all that stuff. I love that. Matter of fact, I can point back to a time in my life several years ago when I was kind of in a deep, cloud, dark spot of depression in my life. And it seemed like, you know, all the hours of the week were kind of dark and gloomy. But that one hour, being with God's people and worshiping, man, that was a, the hour I lived for. But the truth is, we can't live there. I mean, those are those Sunday moments. Those are those moments when Jesus is doing the miracle of feeding the 5,000 or feeding the 4,000. Those are those moments, those high spots along the journey. But I'm here to tell you, God provides in those. Yes, he does. But God provides on the Tuesdays too. When you think you only have one loaf, Jesus is there. When you think you only have half a loaf, Jesus is there. When you think all you got is you, Jesus is there. God provides no matter what situation you're going through. You know, you and I live in the busyness of a crazy week. We go into all kinds of situations. You know, you might go to the mechanic to get your car inspected. And you think, wow, I'm going to go spend that $20 in those 30 minutes to get that thing done so I can get back on the road. And then you get there, he tells you or she tells you that, oh, you got to fix this and you got to fix that. And then you got to fix this. And you're thinking, oh, Lord have mercy, where am I going to find all the money for that? I'm telling you, God provides in the middle of stuff just like that. Or maybe you go to the doctor expecting some good news, but the doctor says, I need to talk to you about this one report that we got. And you go, oh, I wasn't planning on that. Listen, let me tell you, God provides even in the midst of those kinds of conversations. God is able to work in those kinds of situations. And you may feel like, that you're not living any kind of Sunday moment. All of a sudden, you feel fully like it's Tuesday, and you feel as if maybe God has forgotten where you live, and he does not know your zip code, and he has certainly forgotten your cell phone number, and you're saying, God, where are you? And you wind up with a one-loaf kind of faith. Uh, I got nothing. I got nothing, Jesus. But I'm here to tell you, I think God sent me here today to say, God provides, even on Tuesdays. You know, in John's gospel, it tells one of these stories of the feeding of the large crowd. And then afterwards, Jesus gets together with the disciples and they have a little conflab about it. They have a little conversation about what just happened. And at the end of all that thing, Jesus looks at his disciples right in the eye and he says, I am the bread of life. Those who come to me will never be hungry and those who believe in me will never be thirsty. That's Jesus' interpretation of that whole story. And he's saying, I'm with you. I'll be there for you. I'll help you. You're not gonna be in want or in need. Jesus is the answer. And then, you know, maybe, maybe the need is 
that you're feeling the need for forgiveness or for the grace of God to come. And Isaiah 55, 7 says this, Let the wicked forsake their ways and let the unrighteous their thoughts and let them turn to the Lord and he will have mercy on them and to our God for he will freely pardon. And there's so many other promises. In Hebrews, it says, I will never leave you. In Genesis, Jesus said, God says, I am your shield. In Isaiah, God says, I will strengthen you. In Isaiah, it goes on to say, I will help you. Jesus says, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. In 1 John, it says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will purify us from all unrighteousness. Whatever your need is, there's a provision for it. God provides on Sundays and on Tuesdays. Woo! So you might be thinking, yeah, but I'm looking at you. Today you look like you got your act together. You've never had a Tuesday like I've had a Tuesday. Maybe you're thinking that. And listen, I gotta tell you, I don't know what your Tuesdays look like. I don't know, you may, you may win the deal on the worst Tuesday, because We've all had tough stuff. But I just want to tell you, I live in a real world too. And I've had some tough Tuesdays. And I'll let you into one, one little story, one little window in a Tuesday in our life. We have a son, his name's John. Um, he's been positively impacted by some things that have happened here at Salem Fields and we're grateful for that. Um, and he's doing well now and we're grateful for how God's working in his life. 21, we're, we're just full of pride about what God's doing in him. But there was a time a few years ago when he was about 17, 18, where uh, I tried to reach him on this phone and I couldn't get him. And then I tried to reach him on Facebook, he didn't answer. And that was okay for an hour or so, but then when by the end of the day we couldn't reach him and he kept going straight to voicemail, kind of got a little worried. And then by the next morning, we didn't know where he was. And for 21 of the longest days of our lives, we did not know where our 18-year-old son was. Can you spell Tuesday? Huh? I mean, what does a parent do when you just don't know? And I'm telling you all the thoughts that flooded my mind, all the issues that I started dealing with. Where is he? Is he okay? Did he get mixed up in something he didn't mean to get mixed up in? And, you know, we called the police and the police were like, well, you know, we can't do anything. Uh, that was just kind of the way it was because... I guess it happens enough, but to us, it was the real deal happening right then. Our lives were, it was Tuesday every day. Y'all with me, huh? And I remember I was thinking like, okay, God, you got to show up here because <laughs> I don't know how to handle this. Went down for a walk in my neighborhood, tears streaming down my face. What am I going to do? How am I going to handle this? I couldn't remember any of these big moments. <laughs> it was Tuesday. I mean, God had provided in my life here and he provided in my life there, but all of a sudden I was like, hey, God. And I'm telling you, as certain as I'm standing here, I heard from God. And it wasn't an audible voice. As a matter of fact, I like what a friend of mine says, it was louder than that. <laughs> I heard it in my heart. I heard it in my mind. And I heard God say, I've got him. 
and I found God's provision in the midst of my Tuesday. Are you with me? That didn't solve everything that day, but it reminded me that God would provide. And God has provided. A pastor friend of mine went through a very, very difficult time. He uh, was about to lose his family, had lost his influential ministry, and uh, he, was, uh, he came to a service where I had shared a message something like this one. And uh, afterwards, he texted me. He said, I just have to be honest and say in the midst of this situation in my life, this feels like Tuesday. So I've been praying with him and mentoring him and counseling him and encouraging him. And uh, I have a text saved here on my phone where just a little while ago, God, you know, restored his family and God's restoring his ministry. It's so awesome to see. And I got this text from him the other day when this next step happened that was so powerful in his life. And he says, this feels like Sunday. <laughs> I mean, shortest text, but it had so much meaning, right? Because all of a sudden I understood there was something transformative about what God had done. John Blanchard said it this way, for daily need, there is daily grace. For sudden need, there is sudden grace. And for overwhelming need, there is overwhelming grace. And John Sianca said it this way, one of the adversary's most useful schemes is to keep Christians focusing on their problems rather than on God's provision. Huh? And all I know is to say this, I feel certain God sent me here today to say to somebody, God provides, even on a Tuesday. Will you pray with me please? Lord, uh, it's kind of tough seeing the tough words that you gave to your disciples there. Do you still not understand? In part because that's how we feel sometimes. We don't understand. Or we get the high moments, like the miracle moments when you feed the 5,000 and the 4,000. We get all those. But it's the Tuesdays when we're kind of like the disciples. We get to arguing over we didn't bring lunch and we forget that we got you and you'll provide. So thank you for your grace. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for being an awesome God. Thank you for being our healer. Thank you for being the God who is greater, the God who will provide, who is awesome in power. And we celebrate you today and we honor you. Thank you for using the power of your word and the stories of your word to speak to our hearts today. You do provide, even on a Tuesday. Thanks be to God, in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Thank you for your attentive hearts.
Thank you, Dr. Phil, for that inspiring message from the Word of God. Don't you just hate Tuesdays? Yeah, I don't like Tuesdays too well. You know what? I know that uh, you know. I know that some of you here today, and you're experiencing that right now in your life. And uh, we're going to worship together in just a moment. Before we do, I just thought we'd maybe uh, give you an opportunity. We could just bow our heads for a moment, and as we could pray together. I just thought that it'd be really good if maybe today that you're here and you just you're at a place where maybe you're doubting, you know, that you have anything and that God's kind of lost track of you, and you're doubting those experiences, you know, that Sunday experience that you had that you thought, wow, this is this is it, this is, you know, I'm I'm at a different place, and I had a good friend used to say, for every new level, there's a new devil, uh, you know, and I I. Um, I so understand that. And, you know, we think, well, this is, I'm at a better place than I've ever been. And, and yet now you're experiencing a Tuesday. I, I just want to give you an opportunity today to pray. And I want to pray with you and for you with our ha- heads bowed and our eyes closed. If you'd say, you know what, I, I just need to be reminded today of God's provision that God provides. And I'm at one of those places. And I'd just like for you to pray for me, buddy, as you as we close out our time together today. Would you just slip up your hand if that's you today? Yeah, lots of you. Yeah, have slipped up your hand. And I'm going to pray for you. And um, if you're online and you would say the same thing, you you might just chat in and let, let uh, John know that. And if you're in the cafe today, I know lots of you are out there. And you didn't maybe raise your hand out there, but, you know, you have a need. And you feel like it's Tuesday. Father, I pray for those that are here today and those that are online and in the cafe and other places, those that will be watching on the podcast or the rebroadcast. And God, I just pray that your Holy Spirit right now would fall fresh in you upon us. God, we we come to those places in our lives where it feels like we've done all that we know to do and we don't know what else to do. And Lord, we feel like that we're being overwhelmed and you've called us to just stand firm. And, Lord, trust your hand that you will provide for us. So I pray for those that slipped their hand up today. God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would just fill in those places, Lord, that, that, God, they need so desperately to hear that voice that says, I got this. We get desperate, Lord, to say, to hear you say, I got this. Help us to trust you, Lord. Help us to put our confidence in you in the days, in the dark days, and not turn to the things of the world, but turn to you. And Father, I just thank you today for your love and for your grace. I just bless those today who are in need. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we stand? We're going to worship together. You know, one thing I've learned in my time as a believer is that uh, it's in the Tuesdays is when I grow the most. You know, in those difficult days where God begins to shape me and begins to uh, form me and begins to twist me and turn me, and I usually come out on the other side of that. Well, I can always say I usually come out on the other side of those Tuesdays better than I was on the Sunday. So I just want to encourage you today. If you'd like to come and pray as we worship, this is a great place. You don't have to come here, but if you want to just come up and pray today and just sense God's presence and draw closer to him, and I'll just kind of pray with you as you come and pray for you as you're there.
Uh, you're welcome to do that. Just however God leads you, can we do that today?